0: How's it going, everybody? Adrian here, and welcome back to the Gaming Observer Daily News Updates for Tuesday, August the 31st. It is the final day of the month, and unfortunately, folks, there was nothing today. There was no news. So today, I'm just going to talk a little bit about the gaming industry overall. If you're only here for the news, you are more than welcome to skip today's episode, and I promise you, you're not missing anything. What I am going to talk about today comes from the weekend where Game Informer did an interview with some leadership at Naughty Dog, co-presidents of the studio Evan Wells and Neil Druckmann. And this interview ended up being talked about a lot on social media because of some of the comments that they made on crunch culture. Now, if you don't know, Naughty Dog is pretty notorious for crunch culture, creating an environment where workers feel obligated to work, usually unpaid overtime, to an extreme degree. And I think that studio in particular gets a lot of attention for it because of the high caliber of their games. I mean, The Last of Us Part Two is one of the biggest games to come out in the last decade. Certainly one of the biggest single-player narrative-driven experiences. And so, okay, what did they say? Game Informer asked them, you know, your studio has come under fire before, could you speak to your personal experiences with Crunch and how that has affected the studio? And they definitely danced around it a lot. But most importantly, they mostly referred to Crunch as quote-unquote hard work, right? The first thing that they said was, uh, quote, I have definitely personally worked very hard over the years. And then he goes, quote, as a studio, we've all worked hard together and we are working very hard on every project to find the right balance, end quote, which means that he's starting to equivocate hard work with, you know, extreme overtime which maybe in some companies in some situations would actually be a logical thing to do. But for the vast, vast majority of situations, especially in the gaming industry, a term like that really masks the issues that Crunch Culture presents. And in this interview, they did bring up a valid point, which is that Crunch has a different definition at various studios, at various points of the timeline of a company. It's a very nuanced issue. But I think one of the big problems that the industry has is is the second word of crunch culture, right? The culture part. To crunch is to go overtime, but the culture is the expectation of overtime. Of course, that's almost always a top-down expectation. And it usually starts when the management is saying things like, it's all about hard work, that you can't work hard if you're not doing overtime. There's actually this great thread that Carrie Patel shared on Twitter. Uh, she is the game director at Obsidian. And she brings up this great point that oftentimes, you know, people talk about, well, if somebody wants to quote unquote work hard and and do more, then why not just let them, you know, let them do their thing and then everybody else can go home. But the problem is that it doesn't always work out like that, especially in the world of video games. You're not actually just doing more for yourself. You're unilaterally deciding that a lot of people have to do more. Because the thing with game development is that it is so collaborative and communicative that even if somebody is like, hey, let's make a new quest, and you do some overtime to do the quest, well, there are people who have to do the writing for that, the level design for that, the environment art, the lighting and the audio and the QA. And now one person's passion project has turned into an involuntary team effort. Well, you can start to see how this one person is starting to create a very toxic environment. They might be seeing the rest of their team as less committed to the project. Those people are going to feel resentment for the people who are forcing them to work more. And then even if this is a situation that you try to specifically push against, and let's say this person who's going to work more is going to do all of that stuff themselves, well, then the quality of your game is going to go down. One person is going to try and be the jack of all trades. And inevitably, the specialists of those various departments are going to be the ones that are blamed for the sloppy work. And then, uh, Carrie Patel ends it on this, which I thought was very insightful quote. Oh, and the other thing about devs who choose to crunch, many of them aren't passionate, they're scared. They need the game to ship on time and to quality, and they worry that if it doesn't, their job may be on the line. As a director, it is very, very easy to read that as passion, because of course that is what people want you to see. You must maintain awareness of the power dynamic between you and the rest of the team, and work with production to build an achievable schedule. End quote. So anyway, I thought I haven't talked about this on the show for a while, I should mention what the hubbub was about, and once again go, ah, Unionize, people! Unionize! It'll only help you. Oh well, it is what it is. Time will tell, right? My friends, thank you so much for joining me here today. In the absence of news, I had a great time. As always, I'll be back tomorrow with the news, whatever news there is. And until next time, happy gaming, everyone. Heyo, it's the TGO after show. Hello and welcome. Hello, everybody. Hope you're well. I'm doing pretty good myself. Had a had a pretty good day, except for the fact that there was no news. That was that was something. Man, it's it's one of the first times that I scrolled through my my RSS feed and had nothing. It was bonkers. But hey, it gave us an opportunity to do something a little bit different. And I haven't talked about crunch in a while, even though it's such a universal topic, right? It's always all over the place. So what am I up to? Uh, Well, today was pretty interesting for Shelby and I. Well, today and like last night, because her and I have started to get very excited about our traveling in February or in March, I should say. Because we've kind of decided that the route that we're going to take is through house sitting. So there's this whole movement online all about working while you travel. It's called digital nomading. And typically, if you're going to digital nomad and you're going to go see the world, you've got to pay for some kind of lodgings, right? If you want to go the expensive route, then you go into a hotel. If you want to look something a little bit more local, you can go Airbnb. Not always cheaper, but usually cheaper. And then, if you're going to be there for the full duration of your visa, which is typically around three months, then you can actually just rent an apartment while you're there, or a hostel, or anything, right? So many different options. Well, there's also another option which uh, we are pretty committed to now. You know, we've we've done a lot of research. I mean, I've done a lot of research over the last couple of months, but especially over the last couple of days, we've been really high on the idea of just house sitting. So there's this other thing that happens online where. You know, people have pets and they're going to go on vacation and they need somebody to look after their, their animals. And so they go to a website and see if anybody wants to stay in their house for free and take care of their animals while they're gone. And it's just like an exchange of services. You know, I look after your house and you give me a place to stay. And we're super excited about this idea because, I mean, we love animals, so we'll get to meet lots of them. Uh, it's going to give something Shelby for Shelby to do because I'm going to be working And she's not going to be working. You know, the whole idea was that she was just going to work on like personal projects and stuff like that. Well, if we have a if we have a house to take care of, then she can go take care of the animals, the plants, all the cleaning that can be her, you know, quote unquote job that allows us to travel the world. It also gives me the opportunity to have a little bit more secure Wi-Fi. Typically, you know, you can always make sure that they run a speed test before you get there to make sure it's good. And it's way more likely that somebody's home is going to have good Wi-Fi than, you know, random cafes or Airbnbs that you stay at. It lets us live a little bit more like locals, because if you're going to be there for a month at somebody's house, you know, obviously you're going to go out and to restaurants and eat food and stuff like that. But probably most likely is that you're going to go to some grocery stores and cook some food. You have a kitchen, right? They usually provide you with a car to use. Ah, we're so in love with this idea now. It, It all just seems to make sense. So, um... Yeah, the next few months is going to be us like selling all our stuff or figuring out at least what we're going to do with it, donating, giving it away, putting it in storage and then preparing to be able to move around a whole bunch. I'm going to need a better laptop and probably some kind of different microphone so that I can still do this show. But we're trying to reduce ourselves just down to to one bag, one backpack or or carry on Um, and then go. You know, we're going to start in Canada. We're just going to explore Canada a little bit let the uh, COVID restrictions ease up a little bit through next year, meet some friends that are kind of all around Canada, and then from there, we'll decide where to go. So anyway, that's the basic rundown right now. Of course, we still have five, six months to go, so things might change, but we do have to start actually planning and putting things into action at some point. So yeah, I'm ready. Uh, Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to this Day in the Life of Adrian show. I hope you're doing well. And until tomorrow, farewell.